welcome to a new era of flea market fantasy, the world's second greatest Bronze Age comic book podcast. I am your uh, co-host, Michael Dell. Now, normally, Mike L. would be here with us. He would be doing this introduction. He'd be introducing me. Sadly, Mike L. is no longer with us. He didn't die. He's just no longer on the show. Because, uh, well, an audio recording surfaced of him saying some horribly racist things. <laughs> so. Michael is Always no longer on the show. Too much. <laughs> so what we're going to do is uh, there's only one man who can fill his, his shoes here, his Canadian shoes. Although this man is not Canadian, Kevin Jank. Welcome yeah, to the show. I think I think now I've officially replaced the Dave as the Ted McGinley <laughs> of radio. Once a big star leaves, then they bring in <laughs> Kevin Jank to kind of fill in the gap. Yeah, when Larry left the LCS Hockey Radio Show, uh, we brought in Kevin Jank. As new Larry, and now Mike L leaves Flea Market Fantasy. We're bringing in Kevin Jank as a uh, new Mike L. So uh, thank you, buddy. Because really, the show would have died. Mike L at the end of after we did last week's show, he just told me, "Hey, I don't think I want to do the show anymore after like December 30th." And I'm like, "Wait, what the fuck does that mean?" So uh, I was like, "All right, well, don't worry about it. We'll just uh, start something new here." Because let me tell you about this Mike L character. Because you know, uh, Jank, I've been doing fake radio for like 15 years. You know, mm-hmm. and I don't do it for the money. I don't do it for the fame. <laughs> I don't do it for the groupies. Do you know why I do it, Jake? Uh, for those orphans. That's right. For the kids. I do it for the kids, <laughs> particularly the orphans. I get letters every week from clergy members, uh, teachers, uh, school counselors. They all say thank you for doing the work that you do with your fake radio shows. Now, Mike L, he hates kids. He hates kids. <laughs> And That's he true. he particularly hates orphans. In fact, get a load of this, Jank. The other day when he told me he was quoting flea market fantasy, I said, Micah, what about what about the kids down at the orphanage? And he said, quote, fuck those orphans. They don't even have parents. End quote. <laughs> I was shocked. You think someone who loves Batman that much would be a little more sympathetic to orphans. But. <laughs> I was shocked. <laughs> so, of course, we can't be working with Mike Gale anymore. Uh, no, Mike Gale just got he said he got tired of doing the uh, reading the Bronze Age books. You know, he just he wants to go on to do other things. So thank he's you, Mike. Hollywood. Yeah, he's, he's getting a big movie deal and he's That's out right. of here. So, so thank you, Mike. Details. <laughs> yes, up below the liners for those not to know. <laughs> uh, but thank you uh, for all your hard work there, Mike. And we will continue flea market fantasy. We will keep it going because, you know, I enjoy it. And it's for the kids. We do it for the kids. Yeah. I don't think we'll get him to come on as a guest someday. Eh, I don't know. We'll <laughs> I'll be honest. <laughs> might be bad. might be for the best. Now, no more uh, Batman books. No more Superman books. Oh, and get a load of this. Know, I Wait, feel like uh, if I'm going to fill in for Mike L, I got no, 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 no. Take a Batman or Superman one. No, 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 no. That's why. That's why Mike L said he's going to end at the end of December. I'm like, well, just quit now because I know if you're going to do it in the December, we're going to read all those damn Christmas with the superhero books, and there's going to be all kind of like uh, Superman nonsense. But get a load of this, Jank. We dodged the bullet by Mike L leaving early. He had already talked to our buddy Bob Myers about uh, coming on next week to do a show. And I said, wait, he already had you booked? And Bob's like, yeah. And he, I go, what were you going to read? Is it something you picked? And he's like, no. Mike L, Mike L picked some uh, another iteration of uh, Starman. Remember that nonsense? <laughs> yeah. yeah. He kept picking them in a row. Yeah. So good lord. Wow, did we dodge a bullet? All the kids at the orphanage, you can hear them clapping right now that they uh 
they're missing out on another star man. So well, they uh, would clap, but it's lights out at 8 p.m. and the, <laughs> the nuns are pretty strict about that. But I think the show will get better every other week. That's my prediction <laughs> because <laughs> the quality of books. Now, Jank, that is not your responsibility as the other co-host. You will be choosing the book at the end of this episode. Yeah. So I can promise you, there will be no Starman. <laughs> so. Thank God. Could you imagine if uh, we did another Starman on this show? <laughs> what, what are we even doing? That would make me want to quit doing the show. But, uh, yeah, so uh, no You're Starman. No, there's probably going to be another Batman or Superman chosen along the way at some point, but hopefully it'll be a lot less frequent than it had been in the past. <laughs> yeah, what, yeah. I mean, we're both kind of Marvel guys, so, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a uh, hard hit for you DC fans out there. Uh, but our buddy uh, Bob Myers will be joining us next week. Uh, so whatever book you pick, he will be joining us for that discussion. Oh, okay. Well, so I felt bad. You know, I felt bad just uh, bailing on him there. And, uh, you know, he shouldn't have to. We need to make it up to him that the fact he almost had to read Starman. So <laughs> he's willing to read whatever you choose. So uh, Bob will be here next week. But for this week, Kevin Jank, and this new era of flea market fantasy begins... With Squadron Supreme, issue one from 1985. Squadron Supreme. Now, I had no concept of Squadron Supreme. Like, I knew it existed. I knew Mark Grunwald created it. I'm familiar with that Hyperion fella. Oh, yeah. Uh, the leader. Yeah, he gets the attention of the group there. Also, he was on Marvel Avengers Alliance, my beloved uh, former uh, game there on Facebook or whatever the fuck that was. Yeah, probably about the time that game was around, I think they had brought him into the mainstream Marvel Universe, and he was on the Avengers for a while. Oh, no shit. See, see, yeah. this is why Jank's <laughs> taking over from Mike Gale. Jank's up to all the uh, – he, he's hip with all the new uh, happenings in uh, comic books. He knows what's going on. <laughs> I quit paying attention around 1979. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> Jank here. But, yeah, so that's Hyperion. Uh, I knew him. But otherwise, I had no concept of what the story was behind Squadron Supreme or, uh, like, what the main plot of their world is or whatever. Jank, do you have any familiarity with Squadron Supreme? Yes. Um, I'd never read it. I, I think I knew vaguely the premise. Um, and then I definitely knew some of the later versions. Like, I know in the 2000s era, like, J. Michael Straczynski had started writing a different version of this. Like, um, I think they call it something different at first, but then it eventually became the Squadron Supreme again. Uh, it was kind of, you know, a more darker, more adult version. And uh, that ended up crossing over with the Ultimate Universe at a certain point. Um, and there was a whole big kerfuffle between universes where they were battling it out. <laughs> wow. And, like I said, Hyperion, definitely I've seen him a lot. There was this comic book called Exiles where, like, this group of, you know, interdimensional people from different realities had to band together to fix realities that had kind of jumped the track and gone off course. And uh, there was an evil Hyperion in there that was, uh, he showed up a lot. <laughs> so oh, I knew him pretty right. well. Um, so I, yeah, I've seen some of this stuff, but really this original team in this format, I had very little experience with. Yeah. Now the end of last week's show, Mike L said, Oh, uh, squadron Supreme, uh, Marvel's answer to the Watchmen. But uh, I would like to correct Mike L on this. Yeah, the Watchmen, yeah, is their DC's answer to 
Squadron Supreme. Squadron Supreme was more. Just when it seems like I couldn't get uh, less respect for Alan Moore and how he steals things from people, he stole <laughs> everything about Watchmen <laughs> from other people. I thought it was bad enough that he just stole the plot from the Outer Limits, but now he stole basically the whole premise of, of Watchmen from Squadron Supreme. I don't so, know about that. Like, I think so. I think I so. No. <laughs> Yeah, like, this is a different premise for sure. Like, Watchmen is definitely, really. it's a mystery book at the core, and then at the end, there's kind of well, a twist. But the the premise is that you deconstruct superheroes, you don't make them like the big uh, hero deals. They're actually more like hum- more normal people. But the big question is, is it right to do something immoral for the greater good? You know? And sure. that's basically the theme of that, and that's what we're dealing with here in Squadron Supreme. So yeah, Alan Moore just came on and said, oh, let me take that idea and let me take this plot from The Outer Limits and let me take credit for it. That's what he does. <laughs> yeah. Let me take – listen, uh, I just became outraged when I uh, heard about this Tom Strong nonsense, and he just ripped off my beloved Doc Savage. He just stole uh, everything from Doc Savage. So, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> not happy about it. Yeah. But anyway, that's Alan Moore. But uh, Squadron Supreme, Mark Runwald is the writer, the creator, and uh, the artist here is Bob Hall. Bob Hall. Now, we've done Bob Hall in the past, and I've never been a big fan of his work, particularly uh, his West Coast Avengers stuff is pretty lame, you know. But uh, here he's inked by John Beatty. And I was not familiar with John Beatty, but he did Secret Wars. He was inking Mike Zek on Secret Wars. Oh, Okay. So I was I actually we'll talk about the art later, but I actually really like Bob Hall's art here, and I think it's because of John Beatty. So okay. uh, we're gonna credit to the John Beatty here, but we'll talk about that later. But all right, so the uh, Squadron Supreme, it's a twelve issue limited series. It came out I think in May of eighty five is when this issue was released. Well, again, Watchmen like September of eighty six. So Alan Moore had plenty of time to steal from him. And <laughs> then uh <laughs> but I think the difference so what's the difference between uh why is Watchmen so popular, and why is Squadron Supreme basically forgotten about? No one talks about Squadron Supreme unless, you know, you're a real hardcore comic book guy. Yeah, I, I've heard people talk about it, and I had this. I used to have this Marvel, like, encyclopedia, Marvel Universe thing. They definitely had a section in there about it, and I've definitely heard it spoken of, you know, favorably. Um, <laughs> maybe yeah. not quite as much as Watchmen, but it's, it's definitely people respect it, I think. I think the main difference is uh, Squadron Supreme was written by Mark Grunwald, who is not a great writer necessarily. <laughs> and right. he uh, wrote it for a mainstream comic book audience, like yes. a younger crowd. And Watchmen is written for older readers and a hipster, comic book hipster crowd. And it's very <laughs> literary. And Alan Moore, I don't like Alan Moore, but he is a very good writer. And he's uh, a much better writer than Mark Grunwald by any, like, objectifiable measure in terms of actual <laughs> use of the language and characterization yep. and plotting and stuff like Like, Mark Grunwald's good with plotting and big-picture kind of ideas and stuff like that, but in terms of, yeah. not, like, dialogue and stuff like that, eh, not so much. So, yeah, some um, of these things are clunky, for sure. Yeah. So that's premise. why... So that's why it gets Watchmen gets more respect, because uh, Alan Moore wrote it. It's better written. Also, Dave Gibbons was the artist on Watchmen. A lot of people love, I like Dave Gibbons. Uh, people, some people love Dave Gibbons. I mean, eh, you know, whatever. Um, how do you feel about it? Were you a big fan of the Dave Gibbons work on Watchmen? Yeah, I wouldn't say he's my favorite artist, but there's definitely something about his work that made it seem more substantial uh, than Bob Hall's here. 
<laughs> um, you can definitely yeah. see why that was the prestige book. Um, and this one just kind of went by the wayside just in terms of art quality. Yeah, Gibbons is just a rock solid, you know, storyteller and everything else. And also he was doing some real high concept stuff in that book in terms of panel layouts and, you know, like the mirroring of the book, the, uh, the one issue he did. I can't remember which issue it was, not it? But they did like, uh, you started out the same panel layouts and then like by the end it mirrored it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, each page. Uh, so yeah. So yeah. It, it, very good covers of a unique kind of cover premise that went throughout the whole series. Yeah. And like Watchmen is written for like creators and this is written more for mainstream audiences. And also uh, Bob Hall didn't do all the art on uh, Squadron Supreme. He did issues. Um, what did he do? One, two, three, four, five and eight. Then uh, Paul Ryan did issues six, nine, ten, eleven and twelve. And John Buscema actually did issue seven. So that's another strike against it. You had inconsistent art. Uh, yeah. Artists. So, Especially, I mean, a story like this where you don't need, I mean, nobody was anticipating this eagerly. It's not like it fit into regular continuity. So why not just take your time and have them do the whole thing and then come out with it once it's done? Yeah, it would have definitely helped it if you had a consistent art team. Because there was also multiple anchors as well. John Beatty didn't do all the inking, so um, it definitely hurt it. So those are some of the reasons why Watchmen is more um, renowned than our beloved Squadron Supreme now. Because we love Squadron Supreme, right, Jank? We're a big fan. Of yeah. Yeah, this is good. <laughs> well, it's pretty good. <laughs> All right. So, so the backstory here, for those who don't know, uh, Squadron Supreme actually started off as Squadron Sinister. Are you aware of this, Jank? Yeah. Yeah. Taking uh, a poke the old DC, making them villains. Yeah, I usually like to uh, uh, quiz Mike L about what issue these things happen in. Do you know what issue Squadron Sinister premiered? There's Not no a clue. way. Yeah, there's no way you know. <laughs> uh, Avengers issue 69 in 1969. Oh, I should have guessed that. Yeah, 1969. <laughs> Roy Thomas was the creator in Sal Buscema. Uh, and the basic premise was that that Grand Master fella, he's okay. one of those Eternals of the Universe, or Elders. What is he, Elder or Eternal? Elder. elder. Yeah, that sounds yeah, right. Elder. He was having a contest with Kang the Conqueror. And they were supposed to uh, like choose their champions to fight each other. And uh, Kang the Conqueror chose uh, Captain America, Iron Man, Thor, and Goliath, who was Clinton Barton at the time, old Hawkeye. <laughs> and uh, the Grand Master chose Hyperion, Nighthawk, Doctor Spectrum, and the Wizard. And those were his champions. The, the Wizard. <laughs> That's why. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. You cut out there. What was your joke about the Wizard? <laughs> Grandmaster apparently is a big piss freak. That must yeah. be why he chose the wizard. <laughs> there you go. And the wizard, of course, has a bright yellow costume as well. So that's <laughs> interesting. <laughs> but uh, now, so they were evil. They were the Squadron Sinister. These guys are evil. And like you mentioned, Roy Thomas did it as a little jab at DC in the Justice League. Uh, Hyperion is Superman. Nighthawk is Batman. Dr. Spectrum is Green Lantern. And the wizard is, of course, the Flash. And... So he did his little rib against uh, DC and the Justice League. And after that storyline was ended, the Squadron Sinister, they uh, popped back up a few times. And uh, I think once with Thor, maybe. And then uh, they're in the Defenders a bunch. And a lot of the stuff that happened in this book here that we'll talk about, I guess, is a callback to the stuff that happened in the Defenders uh, issues. 
Um, but ev- eventually, uh, Mark Grunwald says, hey, I like that squadron uh, sinister idea. Well, why don't we make them heroes? He turns them babyface. <laughs> and in his explanation, he says, Grandmaster, these uh, squadron uh, supreme, the heroic version, they've always they always existed. Grandmaster, though, uh, just made evil copies of uh, uh. Hyperion. And so, you know what I mean? He just did one of them deals. Yeah, they weren't the real ones. Yeah. Yeah, they were not the real ones. The real Squadron Supreme exists in a universe called Earth 712. What is the main Marvel universe? 616? 616. Yeah, 616. 712. How many universes are there? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I know recently they, uh, they, they did this whole thing. It was Secret Wars, I think. Not, not, or, no, they did something to differentiate it, but it was basically Secret Wars again. But, uh, all the universes imploded in on each other, and there was just ours left, but it had, like, different chunks of universes on it. And I don't know, it got stupid after that. Like, somehow they brought things back by having Franklin Richards basically recreate universes. It was, it was ridiculous. So I don't know how many there are now. Yeah. It cut down, you know, infinitely, but then it, they ballooned it back up again. So who knows? Yeah, there's at least 712, apparently. Yeah. This is Earth 712. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, they're in their own little universe. I know, like, DC has that thing where they, I think there's 52 worlds, and then I think there's, like, 52 negative worlds on the other side. <laughs> but uh, I had no idea that was a thing. Yeah. Oh, sorry. So uh, Mark Grunwald, he wants to do this uh, limited series here, and he creates some extra characters, you know, to, uh, again, mimic the uh, <clears throat> the Justice League. Now, b- back then, in 85, this was kind of uh, a big deal. Nowadays, everything that comes out has a different version of the Justice League. Like, the boys, that's a ripoff of the Justice League, you know? Yeah. And, uh, Invincible. Uh, what, had Invincible. Yeah, they yeah, that's very far, but... <laughs> did, did they ever do the season two of that? Not yet. Oh, all right. Fair enough. Yeah. It takes a long time to animate. <laughs> but back then, you know, this was kind of a new area here. So Mark Grunwald came up with like uh, 12 characters. That's right. 12 characters. Yeah, that's a lot. Did. Yeah, it's, it's a lot. It's too many. I'm hoping <laughs> that means they're going to kill like some of them off. <laughs> yeah, they do. Apparently, I think three of okay. them end up getting weeded out over the course of the book. Maybe um, that's good. At least three. All right. So we have Am- Amphibian. Real name Kingsley Rice, and that of course is Aquaman. Yep, it's Aquaman. Kingsley Rice. <laughs> very good. That's like something you would order. I know. I love the, the Kingsley Rice. Chinese Kingsley Rice and broccoli. <laughs> My yeah. favorite thing to eat. So then we have Arcana Jones, and uh, she is uh, the counterpart to Zatanna. Zatanna. Yeah, sure was. And kind of the Enchantress a... meets Zatanna. Yeah. Yeah. That is true. And then we have Captain Hawk, James Dore Jr., and that, that is Hawkman. Really going wild there. Captain Hawk is Hawkman. Right. <laughs> yeah. And we have, we mentioned the Dr. Spectrum, Joe Ledger, and that is Green Lantern. I like Dr. Spectrum's outfit. It's all colorful, and he's got like a mask on. Then he takes the mask off. He's not as cool. But uh, I like when he has the mask on. Then we have the Golden Archer. Wyatt McDonald is, of course, the Green Arrow. Hyperion is Mark Milton, and that's Superman. Lady Lark, Linda Lewis, the Black Canary. Yeah. She's even shacked up with the Golden Archer there. Yeah. 
They're keeping that real close. <laughs> and by the way, I thought the Golden Archer was pretty much uh, very comedian-like from the Watchmen. You know, he look yeah. he looks like the comedian and kind of correct like wise. Scottish or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, then we have Nuke Albert Gaines, and that is Firestorm. Yep. Power yeah, Prince full half shirt. Yeah. Power Princess Zarda Shelton, of course Wonder Woman, and she looks exactly like Wonder Woman. Uh, with a different outfit. Now this one's a little weird. Tom Thumb is Thomas Thompson, and he's a short fella. So he's, I guess, he's the equivalent of the Atom. Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. And I guess he is a scientist like the Atom. So I guess that's the where that yeah. ends. He's really, he's just kind of a midget, basically. He's not really. He can't well, we, get like atomic sized, as far as I know. Yeah, we prefer little person, Jank. You're going to get canceled <laughs> with Mike L with this audio surfaces. <laughs> But yeah, like he doesn't shrink down to like a molecular size or anything. He's just a normal fella. Just kind of Gary Coleman sized. Yes. <laughs> Maybe Gary Coleman has. <laughs> oh, how great would it be if Tom Thumb was played by Gary Coleman? I would love that. <laughs> then we well, have. Well, the... Instead of that hover car. <laughs> well, maybe he'd be the wizard. Because we have the wizard, Stanley Stewart, is Flash. And then finally we have Nighthawk, Kyle Richmond, and he's Batman. And if you're familiar with the Defenders, you will be familiar with Nighthawk because uh, there is another Nighthawk, <laughs> Kyle Richmond, and the Defenders. Yeah. But this is where <laughs> I got confused on all this stuff. I don't know. So apparently they encountered uh, the 712 Nighthawk at some point, and then he stayed in this universe to become Kyle Richmond over here, maybe? Is that what happened? I, I thought I looked this up, and it was confusing, but I think there actually is a Kyle Richmond from this universe. Oh, <laughs> from the okay. Universe somehow. Huh. But he may have died, and maybe that one did come over at some point. It's, it's like a student exchange program. They swapped them out. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. Anyway. I could see why this one would want to come to our universe, because he's the only one on this team who wants out, basically. He's yeah. like, fuck you guys. Yeah. Um, I guess, uh, again, we've talked about Mark Grunwald plenty of times on this show. Uh, he did the, the episode where we reviewed Hawkeye. He wrote Hawkeye. Uh, he also, I'm sure he wrote other stuff that we've done because I know we talked about him several times. I can't remember what. Did he uh, do Quasar or something like that? That sounds about right. Yeah, yeah, yeah Quasar. Also, uh, Bob Hall, we mentioned uh, West Coast Avengers. He has 70 penciling credits in Marvel. He also did. He started out on Champions, Supervillain Team Up, did Avengers, West Coast Avengers, and also Psy Force. He did some Psy Force. Oh. One one of the new universe books we've never done yet. So, uh oh, yeah, look out for that. It's finally, All right. it's really a new universe. But uh, yeah, we've done Bob Hall's history before on the show, though. Uh, I know West Coast Avengers, but I think he did a, a, something way earlier in his run. But anyway, go through and listen to all 164 episodes of Flea Market Fantasy, and you will find Bob Hall in there somewhere. So we're not going to do all that again. Yeah, I do miss uh, Mike L and his spreadsheet. <laughs> oh, yeah. All the answers to everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is true. Uh, hey, guess what? I'm not keeping a spreadsheet. <laughs> that ain't happening. So <laughs> if, if you want to do that, John, feel free. But, uh, yeah, I'm not keeping a spreadsheet. Uh, all right, so I guess those are all the notes. Anything else about Squadron Supreme before we get going here? Uh, no, I think we can get going. All right, let's cover look at the, the cover. Story. Let's look at the cover, Jank. It's uh, It's pretty good. Uh, this is Bob eh. Hall and Joe Rubenstein. You don't like this? 
What's, what's I like the logo. <laughs> you like the <laughs> logo? Itself. Yeah, it's, I don't know. I, I do appreciate how they got Nighthawk kind of away from the group, kind of. Yeah, yeah. Uh, describe it. Describe thing. it. Paint a picture for the people. Okay, so we got a uh, we got the corner box up top with a uh, big picture of Nighthawk. Uh, then we got a, a red background, and we got Nighthawks in the back in uh, like a blue shadow, just kind of you know keeping an eye on everybody. And then there's like a explosion in the middle of the thing where you have all the other heroes in the Squadron Supreme like flying or running at the at the screen, basically like running at the reader, essentially. Yeah. Uh, here, there's a lot of negative space, you know, a lot of wasted yeah. space, I could say. Um, so I can, I, I get that. That's not the best. And a lot of characters are kind of crammed in there. Like it's, it's reminiscent, I guess, in certain ways of like giant size X-Men where they had all the characters busting out at you, but it doesn't look nearly as good. <laughs> yeah. Cause they're all smaller and some of them do look just sketchy more than refined. Yeah. Like Arcana looks just like she was thrown in there the last second. And, mm-hmm. uh, and Nuke. Yeah, so I hear you. It's not the best. But uh, at the bottom, it says in a little blue box, it says, in their own series at last, the greatest super team of any world. <laughs> uh, any world. Yeah. That's yeah. Uh, that's weird praise, considering they're basically a rip off of the Justice League. You're basically <laughs> saying that Justice League is the best team. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. They're saying they're better than book. They're better than the Justice League. See, they're saying yeah. they're better than the Justice League. <laughs> and they're, uh, it's a dollar twenty-five. this book. Because this book was long. Yeah, oh, sure was. Yeah. I didn't know what we were getting <laughs> into when I started. I'm like, wait, isn't this over yet? Still going? <laughs> yeah, uh, it was quite long, but solid. I wasn't uh, mad at it. And they did set up a lot in this one issue, so. Had yes, they did. Yes, they did. Not all the issues are this large. I think the rest are normal sized, I think. Okay. So, I believe so, at least. All right, so then we open up the book, uh, Stanley Presents Squadron Supreme. And, uh, we, we see our buddy Hyperion, and he's out in outer space. And he's like, it looks like he's pro, like, uh, holding up a, we find out it's their spaceship, right? Is it that their ship? Like yeah, their like their satellite. Ship? Yeah, I guess like the JLA, they live in a satellite up in space, but it's crashing. Yeah, and this uh, book is called The Utopia Principle. And I guess uh, let's describe Hyperion for the kids in case they don't have ever seen it before. He's like, in a, who's that superhero from The Simpsons? Oh, Radioactive Man. Yeah, yeah. He's kind of, <laughs> he kind of looks like a Radioactive Man. Because <laughs> his, outfit's, yeah, his outfit's red and yellow. It's got yellow boots, yellow underpants, red legs, red chest. Uh, his arms are, uh, you know, no, nothing on his arms. And he's got like the n- nuclear symbol on his chest, like the Springfield power plant. And <laughs> his, his middle, uh, the middle, like his rib cage is all yellow. It almost looks like it's a, a metal metallic piece on his costume, but that would be very uncomfortable to have that on your ribs, <laughs> you know, like yeah. you could never, bend forward at all but uh all right <laughs> well he's so and, strong he just fights through the pain i guess i guess so and he has like a little domino mask kind of deal like robin i guess you could say and mm-hmm. uh his cape is cool because it's like offset like it's a yellow cape and like on the right shoulder there's a little thing attaching the cape and then if you look on the back the second attachment is like on the like the bottom of the left shoulder it's not up on the right shoulder like on top of the shoulder yeah. It's kind of weird, but it's a good look. Yeah, it would be very uncomfortable yeah. when he's sitting in a chair. <laughs> yeah. But uh, 
<laughs> you must have had a tailor who had like one leg shorter than the other. <laughs> well, that's a good look. But uh, just from the splash page, though, you can see John Beatty at work here. Uh, the thick lines on the uh, on the inks. Like I, I, I really was impressed by uh, John Beatty here, but we'll get about the, talk about that later. But anyway, yeah. So Hyperion is trying to prevent their starship from crashing onto Earth, and you, you see all kind of like uh, friction uh, flames and stuff coming off him as he's trying to keep it up in space, and he's just struggling against it for the next few pages here. Until it eventually splashes down into the ocean. And uh, who does he meet there, Jank, when he goes into the ocean? It's, it's uh, Amphibian, yeah. Yeah, little fish boy. <laughs> it's the only place he can be of any help, so he might as well get some. <laughs> Even though I don't think he does much other than swim up and be like, hey, it's you, Hyperion. <laughs> he just gives him a thumbs up. Anyway. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he literally just swims up and gives him a thumbs up. Like, hey, good job <laughs> crashing into the ocean with the ship. Good job, buddy. He's like, oh, all right. Uh, but I guess he hit his target. That's what they're aiming for, to crash down in the yeah, ocean. Yeah. He was trying to push it in the right direction so it didn't land on land and murder everyone, I guess. But here, here's my question. Um, would it really be that heavy if it's up in space? <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess so. I, I don't know how that works. Aren't, aren't space stations heavy? They're made of metal. I guess, but like if you're in space... Uh... I don't know. I don't know how gravity works. I think works if you're outside space. of, yeah, if you're outside of the, the gravity of the planet itself, you can just kind of yeah. stay there indefinitely. Because there's nothing pulling you which way or the okay. other. Yeah, but because because it got sucked into the Earth's gravity, then it became real heavy. Yeah. All right, there we go. Um, That's fire. <laughs> then uh, the wizard shows up, and uh, Doctor, see, Dr. Spectrum looks cool here, because his outfit... It's like all blue at the top and then yellow and red and green. He's very colorful. Doctor yeah. I like that they uh, they mentioned he's got a his powers are golden, but it really looks like puke green. It doesn't look very yeah. golden. Yeah, kind of <laughs> like pea, pea soup. Is, uh, yeah. Green. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, now, do you think they they said the golden bit just as like a jab at Green Lantern, right? Because like you know, yellow and gold was always his Achilles heel. Uh, yeah. Yeah, they're doing there. Um, but yeah, they did paint it green though, which is odd. Um, <laughs> Very strange. So now they got to like tow the ship to the uh, to land, and you have Hyperion and Doctor Doctor Spectrum like makes a, a giant lasso out of his powers there, and uh, he re- he uh, wraps up the the ship, and Hyperion and him are pulling from one end, and Wizard and Fishboy are pushing from the other end. <laughs> yeah, Wizard's and- actually. Like a propeller by like pushing his legs real fast. I don't know what the fuck amphibian's doing. Still nothing. It looked like just kind of holding it up. It's just trying to act like he's doing something. Yeah. So they they finally get the ship back on the uh, on land here. Now I was confused, Jank. I'm going to come right out and say this. Uh, like, should we know what's happening? Like, I understand uh, what's all going on in the story. You understand, but like. Should we at any point is there a narrator box anywhere that says all the events before this happened in Defenders issue one twelve to one fifteen or uh, yeah, I don't, like they don't actually put that no in there I mean they yeah. do have the they explain everything that happened and they just, they're like I guess this is good enough but they don't mention the specific issues so and, yeah, I, and I meant to look this up and I forgot but uh, yeah I think it was Defenders issue one twelve to one fifteen was when, when this basic uh, premise that we'll be dealing with later on takes place. But then I almost get the impression that there was something else after that before this. 
there was there a graphic novel? There wasn't a graphic novel, right? Squadron Supreme graphic novel. No, I think this is. The, I think even that cover box was like finally in their own book. Like I thought this was the first time they actually had their own um, comic yeah. of any kind. So it was just weird that they never put a note in, like, hey, if you want to see what happened before here, read Defenders. But yeah, it never really happened. All right. So uh, the uh, Squadron Supreme fellas, they're on the land now, and they're like, hey, we got to get back to our. Uh, they're going to leave their ship there until they can come back and fix it or whatever. And they say we got to go have our special. Aren't they going to go to a meeting with the rest of the members? Because this is only half the team. No, this is a third of the team. <laughs> this is a very big team. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, so they all go running off and to go to have their meeting. Now we get to some more members of the team. Oh yeah, I forgot about this sequence of events entirely. Yeah. <laughs> uh, explain what happens here, Jay. Uh, so we got Power Princess, we got Nuke, we got Arcana, and uh, Captain Hawk. They're just kind of flying around, and they they see a bunch of a uh, bunch of cars piled up, and it looks like people are robbing this big truck full of food. So they swoop down and are like, "Hey, quit stealing shit!" And the people are just <laughs> like, "Hey, like we're hungry. Like nobody gives us any food anymore. So and these gangs keep coming in to take all the food that we did have. So we're just gonna take this." And then they're like, "Oh yeah, I guess you got a good point." If I was hungry, I'd, I'd do whatever it took to <laughs> go about your business, Steve. Yeah. It's like, all right. Go ahead. <laughs> keep stealing. Yep. Uh, We're going to look the other way now. All right. So now we get our first uh, hint that something is amiss here on this planet, this Earth. Um, mm-hmm. Because the first sequence was just them saving their ship. We don't know why they have to save their ship. Also, all their costumes are, like, ripped and torn and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, oh, they, they, they've seen some shit, this Squadron Supreme. And now when we find when when that stuff happened. Yeah, and now we find out that the world is like kind of uh, having some issues, and mm-hmm. then the military shows up and they start shooting at them. Um, yeah, or they're they're shooting at the uh, looters, I guess. And uh, Power Princess and Nuke like uh, do a number on the military guys and knock them out. And then they say, "All right, go to our meeting," and then they go to the meeting. <laughs> yep. One one group left. We still have one group left. Yeah. It's a lot of fucking characters. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> All right, so now we hop into, like, uh, they're not in space, right? No, they're just flying against the night sky. And it's uh, Lady Lark, Golden Archer, Nighthawk, and Tom Thumb. They're in this little flying car. It looks like one of the Fantastic Four cars that they used to fly around in. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. And uh, I guess Tom Thumb is piloting from the back seat. And uh, they <laughs> come really upon... That's really all he's good for, apparently. <laughs> That's all he does in this entire book is <laughs> when he's just, like, moving around, he's got that little car. Well, his story gets pretty interesting later yeah. on in the run. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I meant this book, because, yeah. No, no, no. Was... Later on in the run, yeah. It's a spoiler alert. It doesn't end well. Right. Ooh. So uh, where do they they come upon like a, a gas plant, right? Like a uh, natural <laughs> gas plant. Yep. And it's on fire. So they're like, hey, we got to take care of this, you know, because we're superheroes. Tom Thumb can immediately tell just by looking at it. This wasn't arson. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. This pattern means it's not arson. Yeah, not the work of arsonists, Archer. <laughs> Judging from the pattern of damage, a natural gas main surged fed too much gas through the lines and caused a series of explosions. And he can tell that 
by looking at a giant blazing inferno. Yeah. <laughs> <It's> just <laughs> He's good. <laughs> Gary Coleman couldn't good. do that. Tom Thumb is also jacked. Even though he's a little guy, he's yeah. very strong, you know? Sure is. Yeah. I would probably him. Yeah, he's got a yeah, Tom Thumb we should describe him. He's like an old man. And he looks old because he's got a bunch of gray hair, long gray hair, and also a big gray beard. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's kind of like a Santa, Santa Claus, you could say, in a way. Like a little Santa <laughs> sure. Claus. Yeah, no mustache, but yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. No mustache. So he's kind of like a, a, a lion. He's got the mane around his face. Oh, yeah, that's perfect. Yep. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I guess we shouldn't be describing these people because no one knows who the fuck this squad and Supreme are. <laughs> but. Um, Eh, if you know what character they're based on, you're halfway there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> this is going to come as a surprise, but Golden Archer, his costume is yellow. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Wow. Uh, Lady Lark is also like golden and yellowy, and uh, Nighthawk out. His outfit here is pretty cool. Yeah. Like, this uh, apparently we find out later on is not his actual outfit. Yeah. Uh, this is some outfit that the the bad guys made him wear. <laughs> yeah. But I, I like again. I just got to point out the Bob Hall art here. Like I really like the uh, every panel. He's doing something interesting. Like he's tilting the perspective, or he's doing something just to, to jazz it up. And uh, like when they first arrive at the fight at the the fire, uh, I don't know what these pages aren't numbered here, so I have no idea what page this is. Uh, but there's a panel at the top of uh, Golden Archer and Lady Lark. They're like tilted in the right, and then you have Nighthawk and Tom Thumb over on the left. And then Tom, you see Tom Thumb flying, and then Nighthawk jumps out of the little car, and look, he's like breaking the panel wall into the next panel as he's leaping down there. So he's doing some cool stuff here. And then yeah. uh, one one panel not so much with the, yeah. Oh yeah, not so much with his backgrounds where they're mostly yeah. <laughs> one color. Yeah, he is skipping <laughs> on the backgrounds. But again, if I ever do a comic book, I keep saying I'm going to, and I keep trying. I am skipping the hell out of the backgrounds. Don't worry, <laughs> I'm uh, doing that. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, the, these four, uh, team members here, they, they prevent the, uh, well, no, it still blows up, right? But they, yeah. at least they, they close the valve, so at least that, it does not as bad. Yeah, it's not as bad. And, and there's some drama whether Tom Thumb it, it survived in time, but yeah, he, he shows up and he's like, hey, I made it. Hey, Lady Lark, why don't you drive for a while? I'm tired. So she drives and she goes, uh, flying back to the, uh, wow, I'm looking at this one picture here. The fire. It almost looks like a weird signature. Um, do you see the panel? Top left panel, uh, it's just a shot of the car flying off in the distance, and there's some flame. And then the next panel on the right, it's like the uh, the wilderness and the red sun of where the meeting is located. Uh, are you on that page? Yes. yes. Like, look at that flame in the top uh, left panel there. It almost looks like the bottom there. It's like a weird signature, but I guess he's just putting in – those are just, like, stitches of the building that were still – yeah, that must be what that is. Yeah. yeah I, I was confused by that for a second. Otherwise, there's some kind of like Asian. Yeah. Light there. <laughs> I was like, what is going on here? <laughs> All right. So they have to go to their big meeting. It's in their secret headquarters. in uh, where is this? again, this isn't on our planet. So there's a bunch of, there's a bunch of wacky names. Or, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Uh, and stuff. Yeah. They're all very weird. A certain mountain in, in northern Moorland. Northern <laughs> Moorland. Way better than southern Moorland. Yeah, uh, if you're just gonna make up shit, I don't even. I can't orient myself based off of where Moorland is. (laughs) Yeah, I'd bother. So 
they uh, they show up and it's got like the secret headquarters inside a mountain, I guess. And uh, so all the Squadron Supreme are now assembled in this room. And of course, they're sitting around a table like you do when you're a superhero team. And uh, they're having a big meeting. And uh, Jank, what's the big uh, look at that fucking fish boy? He doesn't even put shoes on. Come on. <laughs> you're fucking Matt Riddle over here. <laughs> look at that with their wrestling reference. I love it. All right, so Jank, uh, tell the kids what they're talking about here this big meeting. Hyperion says we got to have a big meeting, and he says, hey, masks off for the meeting. Yeah, <laughs> no masks at the table. <laughs> masks off for the meeting. Yeah, so Hyperion basically launches into, uh, yeah, I guess our trip across the country now has confirmed everything we thought, and uh, the country is all messed up. <laughs> yeah. And it's pretty much our fault, uh, or at least part of it's our fault. Um, everything's gone to hell. Um, and you know, the American people are all pissed off and pretty much the whole world is too, because of what the overmind did. Uh, yeah, the, the overmind, he's the big villain here in all this. And again, this goes back to those defenders issues. Do you have any, uh, history with the overmind? Jane? Nope. Yeah. <laughs> I, I never heard of him either, but I guess he actually joined the defenders then at some point. I had like, I do. But I guess he he's like the big bad guy in this uh, Earth 712 universe, and he's just has super powerful, uh, you know, mind powers, like a Charles Xavier kind of fella. And he basically took control of Nighthawk, and he became president in that universe. And then he used Nighthawk to um, basically take over the world, essentially, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then he, he took over the rest of the squadron supremacy yes. point. Yeah. Um, and basically they took over basically the entire planet and just made them all evil. Yeah. So he, he like mind controlled all the Squadron Supreme, took over the planet, and then the Squadron Supreme, because of the defenders showing up, they were able to knock them out. I don't know, they dropped flower pots on their heads or something, and uh, <laughs> they all woke up, and then they, they fought back against Overmind. They defeated Overmind. But now they have to deal with all the consequences of all the you know, things that happen. Because now everyone thinks the Squadron Supreme, they're all evil, you know? You're, you're kind of evil pricks. They're like, no, 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 we're, we were brainwashed back then, you know? We didn't know what we were doing. It's weird so that now, they don't even try to say that, though. <laughs> Their big press conference later, they don't mention that. Hey, we were brainwashed, like this Overmind guy. Uh, I mean, I could see people in the public maybe not believing it, but you should at least try. <laughs> Otherwise, they're just going to be like, you guys are assholes. <laughs> hey, you bring up the press conference at the end. What if it was a fateful findings press conference? Oh, it'd be amazing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Everyone's sure. just killing themselves. It's an obscure movie reference for you. Fateful findings. Neil Breen. Everyone should go watch it immediately. But uh, so Squadron Supreme, they're having this meeting. They're like, we got to do something here. And uh, so what does Hyperion decide to do, Jank? <laughs> uh well i think originally like it's pa- power princess who brings it up like oh my people you know we used to live here on earth but then uh you know once mankind came up with nuclear power we were like oh they're probably gonna murder us with this so let's get out of here so they all left the planet except for her let's get out of here <laughs> yeah. yeah she wanted to be the like the envoy to you know humanity and try to work with them and get them to uh embrace this utopia that she came from and uh, she was like, oh, as soon as I got, like, around people, I was like, this ain't going to work. Yeah, people <laughs> are the worst. <laughs> yeah. Can't trust people. People are the worst. Like, even you guys, even the rest of the squadron, I was like, nope, 
this ain't for you. But then Hyperion's like, hey, maybe that is a good idea. Like, my parents were always telling me not to do things. Like, hey, you probably shouldn't take over the world. <laughs> and, like, don't, you know, <laughs> force people to do what you want them to do just because you have more power than them. He's like, yeah, maybe I'm starting to learn that that was a bunch of crap. <laughs> yeah, he he, he thinks they should be doing more. Like, instead of, uh, you know, fighting these supervillains and stuff, like, it, they should be helping the person on the street, you know, just helping everybody. Like, focusing on building a great society instead of, uh, like, let's fight hunger. Let's fight injustice. Let's fight, uh, you know. Uh, then somehow even cure death. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was the last thing he said. Maybe with all our powers we can cure death. Wow. <laughs> that's pretty good. We can cure that death. Too bad. Yeah. <laughs> so basically what Hyperion is saying is we're going to take over the world now as good guys. It's going to be a benevolent tyranny, you know. We're going to be really good guys, but we're going to make a utopia here on Earth. As long as you do what we tell you to do, basically. <laughs> right? Like, you know. And, uh. They're doing this now because we don't think the world can get any worse than it is right now. So. Yeah. We might as well try to just make it a good place now. Our way. So, so Nighthawk, though, you know, he steps up and he says, hey, I don't know about that. Because, uh, you're now, you're basically taking away, uh, man's free will. If you have all this power and you're just, just, you know, controlling everyone's lives, even though you're saying you're doing it for the better, at some point, it may get corrupted because, you know, future generations will come in and they'll just take over. And who, who knows if they'll be as benevolent as you fellows and, and we are, you know. So we should not go down this road. We have to let uh, we have to ensure that humanity has free will and that they can do what they want for better or worse. So there, that's a great premise. You know, uh, again, uh, the morality of an immoral act. Is it worth it to do this for the greater good, even though it may not be, you know, the best idea? So Nighthawk is staying strong. Do it people don't want to do this. So you're going to force yeah, them, and Ethereum exactly. doesn't really answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's implied that he's just going to smack the shit out of them until they come yeah. Just bang, bang, bang. So uh, Nighthawk says, hey, I, I, we can't do this. I don't have any any part of this. And uh, Hyperion says, I, I think we need to do this. It's the only way we're going to save our world. And he says, all right, let's put it to a vote. You know? So uh, let's all vote. I like that uh, Nighthawk's like, Oh, the few elite people voting on the fate of the world. Has it really come to this? <laughs> Hello? Uh, you know? Hello? You know the regular world? <laughs> We're already there. Yes. Now it's Hyperion of Prescott Bush, but. <laughs> <laughs> now we're going to go into Obedient Worker, another one of my favorite radio <laughs> shows. That's a, that's a branch off into that. But yes, they're having their Bilderberg meeting here, and they're all voting <laughs> on what they should do. And uh, so the vote comes back, 10 votes for Hyperion's plan, two votes against. The two votes against Nighthawk and Fishboy. Fishboy <laughs> I don't want any part of it, right? But, but then uh, Hyperion said, hey, Fishboy, even though, uh, you know, we won the vote, so will you side with us? Will you come join us? Because we, And he said, yeah, all right, I'll join you. But Nighthawk says, no, nope, like, I want no part of it. Fishboy, we got pictures of you fucking a fish. If you don't want these released <laughs> to the public. <laughs> we won. Yeah, so uh but Nighthawk says I want no part of this. I've never fucked a fish, so you have no pictures of me. I'm leaving. I'm out of here. And he yeah. just packs up and leaves, right? Like, and a principal of this Nighthawk. Like him. Oh like not like Batman. That son of a bitch. <laughs> Batman would totally do this. <laughs> <laughs> He's an evil one percenter, not a man of the people like Bane. 
All right, so uh, <laughs> after they have their vote, uh, then what happens here? Uh, oh, I think they come up with the idea that, hey, we should probably, if we're going to do this and actually become like the, you know, the rulers of the planet, uh, we better be straightforward with people and tell them our actual identities and come out without our masks on and shit. So that yeah, they can trust off. us. Yeah. Mask off. Yeah. <laughs> At the table. And in everywhere now. Yeah, everywhere. And so now, like, oh, tomorrow yeah, we're going to come out to everybody. So, uh, go home and make yourself look nice. Like, fix up your costumes. Yeah, yeah, because their <laughs> costumes are all tattered and everything. From, from whatever battle they had that we still don't know about. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but, but anyway, uh, and also go home and like get your house in order. You got to talk to your family members, you know, and tell them, hey, yeah, our, our secret this identities are over up. now. You know, like from now on, honey, people are going to know that the wizard is sleeping with you. You know, that's what's going to happen. <laughs> so we need to tell people this. You so I like in bed. <laughs> I like this sequence though, because they yeah. show them all go back to their uh, their loved ones to talk to them. So first up, we have Hyperion going back to like to meet his lowest lane. And uh, he, he comes in through the window of, like, their apartment or, or her apartment. I guess they don't live together. And he flies in the window, and she just shoots him. She just opens <laughs> Yeah. I mean, they're pretty much in a post-apocalypse right now. So Yeah. Yeah. Someone comes in your window. You're just firing. <laughs> yeah, she just opened up with a, with a machine gun blast. And he's <laughs> like, hey, hey, Lois Lane or whatever your name is. Hey, it's just me. Uh, do they say what her name is? It's got to be something. Here. Uh, they did. It was something that had the same in letters. Lonnie, Lonnie, L-O-N-N-I, Lonnie. Um, <laughs> and he's like, hey, hey, it's me, you know? And he, she's like, oh, hey, Hyperion, where you been? And he's like, hey, I got I to gotta break it to you there, honey. Uh, you know, uh, when we used to work together, you know, uh, I'm actually Mark Milton, your coworker. And she goes, yeah, I, I kind of knew that. <laughs> you just, yeah. You just wore glasses. That's like the only difference. <laughs> Now you, you, know, you wear a little domino mask, like glasses. So, <laughs> and he says, "Well, hey, uh, hey there, Lonnie. Uh, it's not you; it's me. I got to break up with you." you know? Yeah, he's like, somehow I know that um, our bodies are not physically compatible <laughs> enough to have children, so there's really no future here. He must have been out banging a lot of like <laughs> Earth hookers and uh, realized that he couldn't knock any of them up. <laughs> but, but this is kind of interesting, though. Again, this is 1985. And uh, there are always these jokes about if Superman had sex with Lois Lane, he'd kill her, you know, yeah. when he uh, had the sex with her. And, and so uh, Mark Grunwald, though, he's he's taking this angle and he's talking about this and he's like, yeah, um, this isn't going to work. So let's just call it quits now. You know, it's been fun, but uh, I got to go. So he shortens up her response, just like, don't say anything else. Just get out. Yeah. Yeah. Just get the fuck out of here. I fear you. <laughs> and uh, so he just flies out the window there and uh, she's kind of all sad. And now we see the wizard, and he runs back to his house, and his family is hiding in like a uh, what do they call that? A uh, panic room. Panic room, yeah. It's yeah. like in the basement behind some canned beans. Uh, they open it up, and look, uh, his family, his his wife and his son, they're hiding in a panic room. Mm -hmm. And uh, wizard looks much older than his wife. Yeah, I kind of got the impression maybe it's like a quicksilver thing where. It He's just gray prematurely because of his powers. All right. Could be. Yeah. And, uh, but again, I, I like this art. Uh, I don't know. Like, look at that final panel of him and the wife there in the bottom. I like that. That's a nice little line of work there. That I'm hugging. Uh, then we have, uh, Dr. Spectrum. Not terrible. 
And Dr. Spectrum, he lives in like a uh, trailer. Yeah. But apparently a nice trailer because he's getting ladies in there all the time. Yes, that's right. I forgot. <laughs> this Dr. Spectrum, he's not a medical doctor. They just call him doctor because he's always getting it done. You know? So he's the doctor. <laughs> he's the love and, uh, doctor. <laughs> so he gets into his trailer there, his double wide, and he says, all right, I better start calling all my ladies and tell them what's going on. And so he opens up his little black book and, uh, and he just starts calling all his former lovers. And he's like, hey, my test came back, and I'm positive. No, 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 that's not what he's saying. He's saying, hey, I'm Dr. Spectrum or whatever. And he uses his power to, like, make the phones work because, uh, hey, I could use that because Comcast still hasn't fixed my phones. Uh, but, but Dr. Spectrum, so he's calling all his ladies to tell them, you know, yeah. hey, I'm, I'm Dr. Spectrum. So that's something. They're all wowed by the fact that their phones now work, too, because – Apparently no one's phones work. <laughs> He's like, how does it feel to be the only one with a working phone? Aren't you a lucky girl? <laughs> like, this is and, weird. And now we see Captain Hawk, and he flies up to his uh, to his parents' house, and his mom opens the door with a crossbow. She has a crossbow. Yeah. And while he was gone, uh, his father passed away. He, yeah. He didn't even know. So that's heart wrenching, and of apparently course. his his father is was also a superhero, right? Mm-hmm. And he left him a uh, like a, kind of a, a Captain coffee. America type. It looks like. Yeah, he has like the uh, the shield on his chest there, like a thing and stars and stripes and whatnot. And but the mom seems like a nice lady, and the dad left him a note and a new and a costume. So I don't know. Maybe we'll see him wear this. I'm guessing we'll see him wearing this costume. Your father. Oh, he's the American Eagle. That his father. Oh, yeah. yeah. There it is when he signs it. Apparently they didn't get along very well. <laughs> yeah. And they never got a chance to really make it right. But his dad did leave him this costume. I guess is like a peacemaking move. And, and, he, and he signs this death letter to his son. Your father, comma the American Eagle. Like he had to put in a, <laughs> his branding at the end. And you just think, <laughs> love dad. <laughs> your father and brand first you know yeah. gotta get that name out there yeah but now it's surprising one, like they really really packed yeah. in a lot of information on just one single page here yeah you that's what we're get getting a good feel this guy's yeah, backstory yeah each page is just one page we're getting this backstory so yeah i mean it's it's interesting and i particularly like this next one jank explain this next one to the people <laughs> oh boy uh so we get Power Princess. She goes home to her, you know, fancy condo, and there's an old man in a wheelchair there, who I guess is basically her Steve Trevor, um, yeah. who was the first man she met when she came to the human world back in like the 40s or what or whatnot. Yeah. Um, he was the sole survivor of a sinking ship. I guess he was in the Navy, and uh, she just latched onto him at that point, and they've been together ever since. <laughs> but she doesn't um, age. Romantically. Yeah, no, she doesn't age. No. So she She's still looks like a smoking hot 28-year-old Wonder Woman, you know, prime Linda Carter. And uh, yep. and he looks like, uh, like Harry Flint slash the Crypt Keeper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's very old, like in his 80s. And, uh, and and she's still in love with him. It's kind of sweet, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's going to be gross if they ever try to make love, but <laughs> sweet. Maybe she's going to do it. 
maybe she's into it. Yeah. You don't know. But I, I like that, uh, again, this is something in 1985, I'm sure people were joking about, uh, well, how come Wonder Woman doesn't age? But, you know, so, but here you go. Mark Grunwald, he says this is what it would be like. Again, it, he's, he's showing heroes in like a real world environment. Like, this is reality for these heroes. So. Yeah. I like very it. Very effective. Now, this next one. Fish boy. Oh, <laughs> yeah, our buddy amphibian, he just goes down under the sea there and he's just talking to a bunch of dolphins. That's all he does. This <laughs> <He> <laughs> did make me laugh when they ask him, how goes life in the world of air? And he says, badly, old friend. I'd rather not even talk about it. And then they say, we probably wouldn't understand anyway. <laughs> they're like, they know their limitations. Like, eh, we're just dumb dolphins. What the fuck do we know? But somehow we can still talk to you. But then, uh, <laughs> what the fuck you ever saying? Then they're fighting, he's swimming with the dolphins and he says, what's new around here? Has Mama Fleur, F-L-R-R-R, had her child yet? <laughs> and it's translated from dolphin, I guess. And then the dolphin says, yes, she has. Yes, she has. I composed this song about it. Want to hear it? <laughs> and then Fishboy says, sure I do, Heli. Stop tickling me and sing already. So, yeah, I think you are spot on about the photos of him having sex with fish. <laughs> yeah. Because clearly he is. <laughs> I think he's the father of uh, <laughs> this dolphin baby. Mama Fleur. <laughs> yep. <laughs> All right. Well, let's put that ugliness behind us. Uh, next, we go to uh, Franklin Town, New Babylon. Yeah, your guess is as good as mine. That means. <laughs> yeah. And it's Lady Lark <laughs> and Golden Archer. Uh, now this is where they, they live in like the same apartment building, but in different apartments. Oh, I didn't even realize that. Yeah, Heather, because she different says, rooms. I'm going to go check out my place. Don't go anywhere without me. Hmm. Because he says shortly, so I was wrong. Our flats have been ransacked. Our flats, plural. And she says, I'm going to check out my place. So I guess she like lives down the hall. <laughs> yeah, that is strange. Like apparently he must be very afraid of commitment. Like, Let's go to our own places <laughs> so I don't have to have you here all the time. So she goes or back to her like, apartment. Oh, like she's, they were both just living there, and then he was like a superhero, and then he's like, hey, you want to be my sidekick? <laughs> Lady <laughs> I just barely met. And she's like, and I'm a studied. superhero too. <laughs> um, so it turns out, like, she goes back to her apartment, she finds all her stuff broken, like her records and everything. She used to be a performing artist, a singer, and... uh like, she has the same powers as Black Canary. She can scream real loud and everything. And she's looking back at that. Now we go back to Golden Archer's apartment, and uh, he's looking through all his old stuff, and he finds a dead hobo. <laughs> yeah. Some guy was burgling the place and died somehow. Yeah, I guess he was living there, like a drug addict squatting in his apartment or whatever, and he just ended up dying. And so, yeah. so Golden Archer. About this. Yeah. <laughs> better not tell Lady Lark <laughs> about the dead body behind the couch. We just go about our business. We just pretend it's not there. <laughs> What's that smell? Oh, I had some bad meat. The old Dahmer excuse. All right, so then we see our buddy Nuke. Uh, he he shows up at the hospital to visit his parents. Both his parents are dying of cancer. Yeah. In the and their son's name is Nuke. Hmm. Yeah. But they don't know he's Nuke, here. though, right? Do they know he's Nuke? <laughs> Or, no, no, he's yeah. keeping that from them. Even I think he's going there to tell them, but he can't because they're like so, yeah. you know, deep in chemotherapy. He's like, I can't burden them with this now. Yeah, because of course he gave them the cancer. Yeah, because clearly, so 
he's so radioactive he gave them the cancer. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's tragic. Again, another uh, pretty interesting thing there by Mike Grunwald. Now, next up, we have Arcana. And uh, she shows up to her family. She goes out into the woods somewhere, and she just uh, does some hocus-pocus. And, like, a door opens up in the woods. And uh, oh. it's like her, her house was uh, disguised. You know, it was all uh, magically hidden in the woods. And she has a husband and three kids and a cat, a black cat. <laughs> yeah. So I was a big fan that she had a little black cat. And uh, so she's there with the family and talking to the family. And she's like, hey, kids, don't you have something to do? Because uh, mommy and daddy need <laughs> to talk. We need to talk yep. for a minute. Yeah. And it's not like, oh, she's going to tell them about her, you know, that we're going public tomorrow and telling everyone our secret identities. Nope. It's just let's get down <laughs> making some sweet, sweet book. Yeah, let's get to it. And uh, and now here's the other weird thing is look at that last panel. Then their cow's starting to make out and everything. And that cat is still watching them. See the cat? He's in the ground. <laughs> <laughs> yep. He's a little freak, that cat. But, uh, all right. Now it's like can... a hocus type situation where that cat was once a child or like a little boy and got turned into a cat. And now it's just like curving out <laughs> it, at everyone. It seems like the cat is a, uh, is some sort of a magical cat or something. Cause they say like, um, like the one, uh, Crowley is the name of the cat. Alistair Crowley. Cause the dad says, oh, sweetie, you're here. Crowley said he felt you near. Yeah. And I think the cat is Crowley, right? Yeah, that would make sense. So, I don't know. Or maybe one of the kids is Crowley. But I, I assume the cat was Crowley. I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? Anyway, next up, is, next up is Tom Thumb. And he flies back to their ship. That it, it now, oh, so it's still on water? I thought they pulled it onto land. Yeah, they put it, yeah that's weird. I think they mess, messed up there because they definitely showed it on land earlier. Uh, so he goes into the ship. Now, he loves the ship. Uh, it's kind of like an AI, like uh, an intelligent ship, right? And yeah. uh, and he, like, invented it and created it and everything. So it's like his only love in the world is the ship. So he's, like, he hey. he's like, your lover boy is here to fix you. <laughs> and he's holding up a screwdriver <laughs> when he says it. So yep. who knows where he's going to put that screwdriver. Uh, now we go to Nighthawk. And Nighthawk's driving, uh, I guess uh, he's like in a tunnel. Is that like the tunnel to the Batcave there? And he's yeah. uh, driving in. But apparently the squadron had built for him years before, but they forgot about it. Uh, I guess they must have, I think they, he says that they used to use his Batcave, essentially, or whatever he calls it, as their headquarters in the early days. And then they just moved on to wherever else, you know, like the satellite or whatnot. So he goes up to his study and he looks out the uh, the window there. Uh, outside, there's just uh, fences with barbed wire around the property, and there's just a bunch of people protesting it with signs that say "warmonger," "traitor," "resign," "Bane was right," that sort of stuff. <laughs> and uh, so he gets sad, and he calls his buddy. Uh, I don't know who's who's his buddy. Like he's the president, so keep that in mind. And he calls like one of his chief of staff or something. Is that who he is? I don't know. Yeah. Oh, somebody. Yeah, there's some, someone in his cabinet who's basically giving him the rundown of this guy quit, this guy's dead. Yeah. I pulled the fateful findings and hung himself. <laughs> <laughs> so then he, he takes off the costume that he was wearing because, like, Overmind made that costume for him. Um, mm-hmm. and, and it was pretty cool. It was, like, all black with, like, a yellow hawk on the chest and hawk wings on the face or something. And then uh, he puts I on his, like, the old Captain Britain costume. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> actually, it does. Yeah, I never thought of that. But, yeah, it does. 
And then he puts on his uh his old school uh, Nighthawk costume. And this costume is pretty cool too, actually, when you think about it. Yeah, I like it. It's kind of a variation of a Batman outfit. Uh, the cape is very arched, kind of like uh, the Todd McFarlane one. Yeah, McFarlane. I was thinking of the other guy who also drew him like that. Um, shoot, uh, Bryfogle, Norman Bryfogle. Is that his name? Bray? Gray? What was his? Uh, I don't know. We need Mike L here for the the Batman yeah. stuff. <laughs> But uh, but anyway, yeah, it's a cool outfit. And then uh, he gets into his little costume there, and then Hyperion's knocking on the window. Knock, knock. And uh, he comes in, and they have a talk. And what's the gist of this conversation, Jack? Do you, uh... Um, I think he's just trying to be like, hey, we're we're doing this for the right reasons. And Nighthawk's like, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, he, but he's like, Hyperion's still telling him, like, hey, you're still my best friend, like. Uh, you're the person I'm proudest to call a friend. Um, and then he's basically like, hey, I know you're having your big press conference tomorrow. Let's make it a joint press conference. And it's pretty much not giving Nighthawk any, <laughs> any, you know, way out. It's basically, yeah, we're coming on your press conference. So, yeah, you don't have a choice. So Nighthawk now says, all right, I need a plan here. I got to stop Hyperion. And he goes down into the vault of his uh, house there. And he has Argonite, which is a glowing <laughs> green rock. <laughs> what could that be alluding to? Yeah, so it's the old kryptonite. And he says, I'm going to make this Argonite into a bullet, and I'm going to shoot Hyperion. This guy has no problem with guns, unlike Batman, apparently. <laughs> but that's pretty cool, 1985, because uh, the whole su- shooting Superman with a bullet of kryptonite, I, lo- I read up on this, Jank. Because I was like, is this the first time this ever happened? Because it seems kind of weird. So it happened a few times after this, like in the Superman. But the the first idea of shooting Superman with a kryptonite bullet was uh, in a letters page in in the 1960s. Someone wrote in with that idea. And uh, And they did it later on. They did it a couple times, actually. Uh, they, uh, They did it in the 60s when Kurt Swan was drawn. They had a guy with a machine gun that had a bunch of kryptonite bullets. But when they uh, broke it, they emitted a kryptonite gas. So it's kind of different, but the same. And then um, uh, it happened once in Superboy in the 70s when he had lost his powers. And while he had lost his powers, he had the powers of a wolf, apparently. He could turn into a wolf. (laughs) And while he had the powers of a wolf, he got shot with a bullet. And they didn't know it was a kryptonite bullet until they pulled it out of him. And they said, good thing you lost your powers. You'd be dead right now. <laughs> I don't know if that made sense or not, but I did. Uh, so instead, he's bleeding out from getting shot. Yeah. <laughs> but originally, back in the 60s, um, when it, someone wrote into the letters page about it, uh, Mort Weisinger, I think, was the editor and writer at the time, but he had an assistant that did the stuff, and he answered it. And he said, actually, a kryptonite bullet would not harm Superman in the way people think, because kryptonite is not indestructible, and his body is. So when that bullet hits his body, it would just shatter. Now, he would get weak by the fragments of kryptonite around the ground and everything, like it being near his body, but it would not pierce his body and go inside him. Now, that changed over the years, though, because then yeah. John Byrne did it, I guess. When he when did he take over Superman? 86? Yeah, there? right after Crisis. Yeah. He had somebody shoot Superman. Uh, was it was it blood sport, Bloodshot or Bloodsport? What's that guy? Bloodsport? Uh, oh. I don't know. Something like that. Deadshot? 
Yeah, I don't know if it was him, though. I think it was something else. But anyway, because uh, I know in the Suicide uh, Squad trailer recently, they had uh, Idris, oh, the Elba. Idris Elba. Character? Yeah, yeah. I think he was Bloodsport, yeah. Yeah, Bloodsport then. I, I couldn't remember his name. Yeah, he shoots him uh, with it. And then I think later on, Mentelo shoots him with it. It's been done uh, several times. But uh, in 1985, though, for Mark Grunwald to come up with this, it's pretty good. Again, yeah. pretty good. Pretty good. So I mean, uh, it's an he, obvious idea. I don't know why yeah. they've done it a million times before that. Because how many times can you just have him be near a rock and be like, ah? Oh. Or like, what happens if it gets inside of him? <laughs> That's got to be so, even more. So Kyle Richmond shows up at the uh, press conference the next day, and he's packing heat. He's got the gun with him, with the kryptonite bullet. Oh, and he so, likes the uh, president. <laughs> yeah, I'll rank them all. Yeah. <laughs> and he, he, they're drawing him very much like Bob Hall, uh, very Kennedy-esque drawing him here. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, the hair especially. Yeah. So he starts his uh, press conference showing people around the world watching his press conference. And then Hyperion comes up uh, and he takes the podium and uh, Nighthawk's behind him there. And he's still uh, he's got this gun. He pulls out the gun. So uh, Hyperion's giving a speech to the people of the world saying, hey, citizens of America and all nations, do not panic. We, the Squadron Supreme of America, hereby assume supreme authority in all matters pertaining to world security and survival for the duration of this critical transition back to peacetime. So, although the squadron itself was duped into participating in some of the activities initiated by the current administration, this guy back here, he's terrible, uh, we were instrumental in bringing the government to its senses. You may recall that I myself was labeled a traitor by the current administration for refusing to support its policies. But that is all behind us now. <laughs> what is ahead is the difficult task of reconstructing our society, our world, to what it was before. But we cannot stop there. We must prevent a situation like uh, the one we're in from ever occurring again. In exchange for your utmost cooperation and support, we, the squadron, hereby vow to you to solve all the problems known to men of all nations, not just those brought on in recent days, but those known to man since time immemorial. Wow, what a what a speech this guy's given. You know? Yeah. He's like, oh, fuck. <laughs> Got my vote. We vow to eliminate hunger, poverty, war, crime, disease, pollution, and oppression within one year from the night. One year, Jank. <laughs> one year. Yeah, it's it, not like they have a bunch of solutions in their back pocket. They're just going to come up with these things now. Yeah, like, they're just going to strong arm things. Uh, if we cannot do it in that time period, we will voluntarily give up any and all authority hereby invested in us. Sure you will. Yeah, that never happened. We are the world's best hope. As a gesture of the openness and sincerity by which we make this pledge to you, we would like to shed the masks behind which we have hidden our faces from you in days gone by. And they all take off their masks. And then the final panel is just uh, Hyperion and all the heroes there on the steps of the... Uh, is this the White House steps? I don't know where they're. Whatever the fuck. Uh, maybe the yeah. Capitol. I don't know. I just see steps and I don't know. Anyway, he says, uh, "With this act, I hope you will all join us in ushering in a new age of trust and friendship, and unity for all the earth." So everyone's happy. They all have their masks off. They're all celebrating. But uh, night, uh, while he's giving this speech, while Hyperion's giving this speech, Nighthawk has a gun out against his back, and he's going to shoot him with the kryptonite bullet. But he can't do it, Jack. He just can't. Uh, nope. They're so, too good at friends. 
So on this last panel, we just see everyone else is happy and celebrating. Nighthawk has his head down. He's looking down, and he's thinking to himself, there's got to be another way. I will find another way. And then it says, next issue, the beginning. So there we go. There it is, Squadron Supreme. I liked it a lot. Hell of a way to kick it off, kick off a comic. Like, yeah, I'm I'm in. I liked it a lot. I don't know that I'll ever have time to finish this, but I would like to because I'd like to. Yeah, I probably will keep reading it uh, because I want to see how this goes. But again, Mark Grunwald, hats off, buddy. Uh, Great job here with this idea, this whole premise that is later stolen by Alan Moore. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's good. Alan Moore stole it. So, all right. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Try and defend Alan Moore. Go ahead. You're going. Feel free. I don't know that he stole this. Like, even then, Prometheus wasn't trying to, uh, you know, take over the world. He was just trying to unite the world. Yeah. Trying to build, like, a By peaceful, fear of a different enemy. World. Yeah. yeah, but he wasn't going to be in charge of it. <laughs> well... That's what he says. Yeah. (laughs) So there you go. Squadron Supreme. What else? uh, I really like the art. Again, Bob Hall. I really like because it was his John Beatty's inking that I really liked. Really thick lines. A lot of black. And uh, the art itself, it it seemed kind of sketchy at times, like loose. But I liked it. I liked it. It had a nice feel to it. So I really enjoyed it. Now, again, the art is not consistent throughout the whole run. But this first issue, really liked it. Uh, how did you feel about Bob Hall's work here, Jack? Uh, it's it's by no means terrible. Um, and some of it was pretty good. Usually when they, they did Kyle Richmond, he always looked pretty good. Um, in general, I, I feel like the art was the weak point of this comic for me. Like if it had been, you know, a little bit better, like I, I think this thing would have caught on a lot more than it did. You get like a David Mazzuchelli in there or something. Well, like, yeah, yeah, obviously. <laughs> People will remember this so much better. I would agree. I, I think if the art was even this quality throughout the whole thing, it would have been remembered more. But just the fact that we had so many different artists and the three artists, multiple anchors, that's the problem. Because I'm guessing you don't get like, like it, Watchmen had a feel to it. You know, you knew it had a feel, it had a tone, yeah. and uh, this doesn't really have that. But <clears throat> I enjoyed it. But again, yeah, it's not like elite level comic book art you know what i mean no, it's kind of it's the kind of the base level you would get in the 80s like which is fine it's it's not terrible it's just it's not memorable i say it, it's not uh it's not iconic in any way like uh no. gibbons or whatever so all right uh but i still like it now mark grunwald here i think the writing again the premise is extraordinary the concept is extraordinary um normally grunwald's really bad <laughs> with dialogue and stuff <laughs> But I think he's pretty good here. Like, there weren't any, like, well, it's not too bad. The biggest flaw this book has is that middle chunk where they're explaining uh, everything that happened, how they got here with the over, because it's just blatant exposition. And again, everyone in that room that Hyperion is talking to knows this stuff. <laughs> you can't have him explaining to the rest of them what happened. They all know what happened. He's, again, yeah. dialogue is character to character, not character to reader. And so that's very bad. That's very bad. Yeah, there's probably a different way to frame that where you could have just had like some kind of a flashback at the beginning just to catch readers up rather than have him be telling the story to them that yes. they already know. It's very bad. Um, but if you could overlook that, I actually really like this. Now, we, there are a lot of characters 
And uh, <clears throat> there's uh, one other thing, like um, <clears throat> our buddy Miles Watson is working on another book. And he has a bunch of characters, in, not a bunch, not as many as this, but like he has about five or six characters on his ship there. And uh, we, I, we didn't get a sense of who those characters are right away. So I told him, hey, here's what you want to do is in comic books. This is what they do whenever there's a team and they want to introduce the team. They have them working as a team to like solve a problem like this ship is going to sink or they're under attack or something. So they all have to work together and we get to see them use their individual powers and their traits to. So you get a little introduction to them, you know, so you get a sense of who those characters are. And that's exactly what Grunwald does here. And he does it three separate times <laughs> because yeah. there's so many characters. <laughs> <laughs> so normally you wouldn't want to do it three separate times because it does get repetitive and you see what they're doing. But he kind of had to do it here in a way when you're dealing with 12 characters. Yes. And it does serve the dual purpose of showing how shitty America has become because everything's falling apart. So you get to see different you know, aspects of now, the counter to that is you could probably uh, maybe get by with eight characters and maybe six. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess it, it probably leaves them some room to, A, like we talked about, kill some characters off yeah. and also maybe have some flip sides. Like you, some people might go over to Nighthawk side. Then you got like a Civil War type thing going on. Yeah, and, and it is a 12-issue limited series, so I guess uh, they wanted to make sure they had enough characters to get them through 12 issues. But still, <laughs> 12 I think that's a lot of characters, man. A lot of that characters. is a lot. Right? Yeah. I mean, you're not even doing all the core. You're just the core JLA. You're going to the weird ones. That yeah, that's what I mean. Like, I, I think you could have lost Arcana. Uh, mm -hmm. Who else could have been cut from this? Uh, Tom Thumb's apparently very important later on, so we want to keep him. Um, yeah. You got to keep Duke. Fish Boy. <laughs> yeah, but, but <laughs> yeah. I guess they want to do that thing. With, he actually plays into the angle later on, too, though, so... Oh, okay. I think you need him. Um, yeah, so who knows? Maybe maybe all of them are important over the long run. Yeah, so we'll see. and I did like the, the little backstories we got for them. Those were all yeah. pretty interesting. So. Yeah, they were. It, it was very efficient <laughs> how they were done, one page on each, and you do get a lot of backstory from But, again, it is just a lot. Twelve is a lot. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, still very good. So long. But I enjoyed it quite a bit. Uh, yeah. Any other thoughts on Squadron Supreme Jack that you'd like to mention? Uh, I think we skipped over. There was a scene where I think Fishboy called them like called the bad guys filthy sons of fishes or something like that. <laughs> I don't even remember that. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was weird. <laughs> but yeah, I really enjoyed this. This was really good. Yeah, uh, what would you give it? One out of ten. Uh I mean. Probably at least an eight. Yeah, it's a solid eight. I'm actually going to give it a nine out of respect yeah. for Grunwald's premise and concept here. And because it was a year before Watchmen and he set the blueprint for Watchmen. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely stolen by Alan Moore. <laughs> so good job. <laughs> so just out of respect for Grunwald, I'll give it an extra point. Um, but, uh, yeah, I really enjoyed this. Uh, and, and going in blind with a no concept of what the story was or anything, I thought it was just going to be a typical superhero deal. Um, so the fact that they, they're they aspiring to something greater than that, very impressive for 1985 Marvel. You know, very impressive. I had heard something about them trying to take over, but when they started explaining the whole Overmind thing, I thought that's what that was referring to. You know, they took over the world while they were possessed <laughs> by this evil Overmind. But, no, they just – they decide to take it over again, which is pretty interesting for a concept. 
Now, Jack, you usually have your uh, ear to the ground for all the comic book news and whatnot. You love the Marvel uh, stuff, uh, the movies and the TV, especially the TV shows. You can't get enough of She-Hulk. I know that. Um, <laughs> did, have, is there any talk of Squad, uh, Squadron Supreme joining the Marvel MCU at any point? Um, not that I've heard of, no. I wonder if it's like – it's so close to the DC thing. Yeah, that's like probably it. Well, but it, yeah. but boys and Invincible do it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, I don't know. There's a Mark Burnwald's not around to to fight them on the rights or something. So, sorry. Right, there you go, Squadron Supreme. Highly recommend. Go check it out and uh, read it now before Alan Moore steals it. <laughs> All right, so Jake, next uh, week it's your choice, your first choice as co-host oh, of Fleet Market Fantasy. I, I can pretty much guarantee it will not be as good as this comic that we just <laughs> read <right> today. <laughs> but uh, I figured, you know, I picked uh, the last time I had to pick, I picked Green Arrow, uh, which is, you know, different, uh, different yeah. choice. I don't uh, like where this back. is going. I don't like where this is going. <laughs> I think it's, I think we're veering into DC territory, but all right, good. Oh no, I'm gonna I'm gonna get okay. back to uh, to my wheelhouse here and uh, pick a Marvel comic, Fallen Angels number five. Fallen Angels number five. This is the New Mutants. Yep. And I remember Some this. of the X Factor kids. What year did this come out? Probably around '87. '87. Yep. Look at that. Nailed it. Remember when I was a, when I was a kid, I owned this. And basically, the premise is uh, Bobby Sunspot of the New Mutants. They were having a soccer game, you know, as the kids like to play soccer in the back, uh, those Xavier kids. And doesn't he like, uh, act, he gets so mad he injures Cannonball, right? Is that what happens? Yeah. And, and run out of there. Yeah, and he leaves and doesn't Warlock go with him? Yep. And is there someone else or is it just those two? Uh, those, well, the whole group kind of ends up getting together, but from the New Mutants, I think those are the only, only two. Yeah. Yeah, I can't boom, remember. Boom, boom's in there. And, uh, yeah, boom, boom, and uh, I, I got multiple man. Siren is in there. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, this will be good. I remember this. Yeah. All right. I think so this issue. I think there is some uh, some Moon Boy and a Devil Dinosaur. So we get some monkeys for you. <laughs> yeah, Moon Boy. He's like a monkey. <laughs> yeah. All right. So Fallen Angels issue five from 1987. That's next week, and our buddy Bob Myers should be here. Uh, I'm sure he'll enjoy that. I think he reads the X books. All right, Jake. Now, here's at the end of the show. Mike L used to always he had a little catchphrase. He would say "disperse," mm-hmm. you know? and that, that that was nice. It worked for Mike L, and he got that from one of his favorite movies, Grease Two. That's where he got that. <laughs> yep. So, but I I don't think "disperse" will work for me because Mike L really sold it. He would yell it. You know, you're like yeah, "disperse," and here's mm-hmm. here's another secret of the production. He would he would yell it, and but he would push back in his desk chair, so you'd get like a fade of "disperse" away from the microphone. A little trick he used to do. But that's a lot of effort. I'm not going to do any of that. A lot of holy work. Yeah. So <laughs> I need to come up with the catchphrase. Any ideas what my catchphrase could be to end the show? Um. Well, you could quote one of your favorite movies and just pretend you're shocked and throw yourself <laughs> against the door violently. <laughs> that's what I was going to do. Oh, I love the movie. For those of you who don't know, I love the movie Shockma. It's about a baboon that goes around murdering people. And uh, the, the one phrase I had in mind was, until next time, open the door, Shockma. Something like that, you know? <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> I don't know if that'll work. <laughs> Shockma? Or maybe just Shockma. I don't know. But, uh, 
Uh, I was thinking maybe you do something comic book related, though. Not necessarily baboon related. Uh, maybe something comic book related. But I, I can't think of anything good, you know? This is going to take some thought. Yeah. We can quote one of my favorite quotes we've come across through, in, through these books. And, uh, smoking crack can't kill you. <laughs> <laughs> From Wolfpack. Yeah. Wolfpack. Larry Hammer. Yeah, maybe we should find a quote uh, at the, on the LCS show. Jank and uh, our buddy Tuffy, they always open the show by giving a quote from the movie we watch. Maybe uh, we should use a quote from the book we read. But, um... <laughs> See you next time, you sons of fishes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll give it some thought. But until next time, I guess we'll keep releasing the show on uh, Tuesdays. Does that, sure. does that work? I guess we'll keep that steady. And... Uh, also, by now we switched over. We switched. Uh, I switched the hosting uh, company, so we should be good on Apple and uh, Spotify. I don't know if I want to keep making YouTube videos. I don't know. You know. Yeah, it's probably diminishing returns. I guess. Yeah, <laughs> because numbers, but. Well, yeah, I mean, people watch them, but Mike Yo has like the subscriptions at Comic Book Syndicate. You know, like he has people subscribe. And, you know, I'm just going to be putting them up on my YouTube channel. No one listens to my watch mine. I might make one or two just to uh, see how it goes. Because I was going to do different things with it. I was going to put, like, uh, actual, like pages of the book in there as well, not just the cover. So That's a lot of work, but. Uh, yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, So, I don't know. Maybe we'll make one or two of those. We'll see how it goes. But, uh, man, I really need a catchphrase. So All right. Well, until next time. I I don't know.